beginnings that water plays an incredible role even in the cradles of early civilizations we have between the Tigris and the Euphrates River of Mesopotamia and then the headwaters of the Nile being the place that we know as Egypt. These are places that exist because of water. There is no life without water. Where there is water, there is life. Amen. There is incredible revelatory importance to water. I have never, uh, until preparing for this message tonight, never really gave much to any theological exhaustive study to the importance and the value of water. But as I began to investigate some of these scriptures, it was easy to see that without water there can be no life, and where there is water, there is life. But in Genesis chapter number 12, God begins a brand new chapter with mankind. Previous to this, uh, whether it is Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter number 3 that are set out, or whether it's Genesis chapter number 11 with the failure of humanity, humanity and the dispersal of the languages in Genesis chapter number 11. They were all driven out. Adam and Eve are driven out of the garden. And Genesis chapter number 11, they are driven because of their lack of understanding in the different languages. But in Genesis chapter number 12, God begins a brand new program that a man by the name of Abram, that his relationship with this God is not in detail revealed in Scripture. We have to some, somehow kind of piece together a few things. But he is raised between the Tigris and the Euphrates River, which is one of the cradles of civilization in the Ur of the Chaldees. That is not where we find him, where God calls him out. But that is in the back of his memory of a place of fertility and a place of life. God calls Abram out and only requiring of him two things. The ability to move his tent and the ability to build an altar. And a lot of my ministry, when I get into a situation like this tonight, a lot of it I can, I can personally identify with brother and sister Williams and personally identify with the Rock Church because my wife and I were like an Abraham and a Sarah to Spokane, Washington and to Eastern Washington. And all God was really requiring of Abram was that he would govern his household, his tent in the ways of God and that he would build an altar with his own hands and seek direction from God. If you're a home missionary here tonight or you are seeking God in your life, those two requirements will still get results to lead your household in the ways of God and build an altar unto the Lord. It's not popular to do that anymore. It's not popular to, uh, with Xbox and iPhone products and 
and all of the things I was with the family here recently, and all of them were at the same table. They weren't even dialoguing, and they were all on their iPhone. And I think that there's just sometimes that we need to put the iPhone away and let Jesus Christ, that he is still greater than iPhone. He's still greater than Facebook. He's still greater than Instagram. He's still greater than social media. Oh, somebody help me out tonight. But there is another aspect to Abram's life that he was about to discover that was a requirement for him to exist in this journey into the unknown with the almighty God. And that was that he was not going to have a river. He was not going to have a lake. He was not going to have the Mediterranean. He was going to have to learn to dig a well. And so Abram and his wife, some servants, of course Lot, a few herdsmen, they gathered up their things and they began this nomadic journey into a hot and dusty environment that was absolutely almost hostile to human relationship and domestication. But yet it is where God led him to. And thus Adam or Abram was willing to go. One of the very first struggles that we see in this journey is where Abram's uh, herdsmen begin to struggle with Lot's herdsmen because neither one of them really knew how to dig wells. They were, uh, they were still existing on the providence of God. Maybe a spring here, maybe a trickle there. But they came to the well-watered plains uh, of Jordan. And Lot uh, looked up and he saw this well-watered place of fertility that reminded them of the Ur of the Chaldeans. It reminded them of Mesopotamia and fulfilled some uh, of the things that they had heard about the headwaters of the Nile. And so uh, Abram already knew, you know what, we're struggling, we're striving, we're brethren, we really love each other, but, but you know, we're just not going to be, you don't know how to dig a well, and, and I'm not really sure I know how to do all this yet. I'm still, still trying to catch, they haven't even got out of this chapter yet, and they're, and they're fighting about water. And so Lot says, well, you know what, I'll just take, I'll just choose the well-watered uh, plains of Jordan. But the Bible was quick to say that the waters were connected to Sodom. Not everything that looks good is good. You better ask what it's connected to. I know we have a generation in this hour that's not preaching against Hollywood. But I want to tell you, the old generation was not, they weren't going to argue with you that what's wrong with it. I don't see anything. The old generation that had the wisdom of God said, what is it connected to? I want to know what this is. Is it plugged into the wall? And what kind of signal is it picking up? And where is that signal coming from? I'm not going to have Hollywood in my house. And I'm not worried. I'll just go back out where I got to dig to get my water. I'll just go back out where I've got to roll up my sleeves and go to work. I'm not going to take the easy way. Somebody clap your hands and give them praise. So a 
Abram came to the place of recognizing that if we are going to survive, although I'm to walk the breadth of this land, the north and the south and the east and the west, if I'm going to survive in this dusty, inhospitable environment, I'm going to have to learn how to dig a well. And he did that. And his herdsmen did that. And they thrived, in fact, at his death. And even prior to his death, Abraham is known as the richest man in the East. And between the time of Abraham's death and Isaac's getting clear direction from God, it was the will of the enemy to make sure that your toehold in the environment was erased as quickly as possible. The Bible does note to us that upon Abraham's death, the Philistines had filled up and stopped up the wells with dirt, which is a type of carnality. I want to tell you what, and I'm sorry, but I just, this, some of this is, some of this, I got to take a few little rabbit trails. It does not matter if your mom and dad pray, you've got to pray. It doesn't matter if, and I'm, I want to tell you, nobody loves the previous generation like Rick Mayo. But I want to tell you, their prayer life is not going to save me. Their walk with God is, I've got to dig my own well. And so, Isaac, out of all of out of all of the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph lineage, he was required of God to stay in the land. He was not allowed to go to Egypt like Abraham. He was not allowed to go to Egypt like Jacob. He was to stay in the land and redig the wells. That seems to be the entirety of God's call for Isaac. But I tell you tonight that Isaac is a gold thread between they that started this church and they that will take this church to the next level. The Bible said, for all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham, his father. We don't need another gospel. We don't need another doctrine. We don't need another lifestyle. We don't need a... Come on, somebody. What we are preaching is right. How we are living is right. What is coming out of our mouth is right. What is in our homes is right. This is all part of the critical juncture of the testing of Isaac. He already knew he was the son of promise. There was a rejection of Ishmael in favor of this son of promise. And so he already knew he had prophetical DNA 
and he was the son of promise. But it was required of him that you go back and you rebuild and redig. The, the, the wells of your father and you don't call it contemporary Christian music you call it gospel you call it songs under the Lord you call it singing you don't rename it you don't rename it to fit your culture you don't rename it, rename it to fit contemporary Christianity you still call it Holy Ghost you still call it Acts 238 my God I feel to preach tonight There's only but one way to be saved. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. God's got the Holy Ghost for you tonight. God's got the power for you tonight. God's got the glory for you tonight. There's only but one God. I'm not trying to fit in with everybody else. There's only one God. There's only one way to live. There's only one doctrine, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You gotta call it the name of your fathers. Everybody clap your hands and give God the praise. I don't need I don't need another version of the Bible. I had a man come to our church, and before I knew what was going on, he was preaching out of another version of the Bible. And after church, and he took it well. But I said, I want you to preach from the King James Version. I do not want to confuse the people of God. I don't care how many degrees you got. I want to see an anointing. I want to feel an anointing. I want to see a demonstration. Somebody help me out tonight. You may be seated. Isaac was required to redig and call the same names. Heard one man say the reason why a lot of guys aren't digging is the only thing that fits their hand is a golf club. And then when once they finally get their daddy's church, everything changes. They don't know how to dig. God was saying, before you're ever going to get your own anointing and you're ever going to fulfill your own prophecy, you're going to have to learn to dig. And you're not going to put your name on it. You're not going to put your spin on it. It's going to... Come on, somebody. But then, after he redug the wells of his father, he was now given the privilege of digging his own wells. And the first well that he and his shepherds dug was Ezek. And it means contention. Because they strove with Isaac over that well. You want to know why the enemy fights you more over a well than any other aspect of your development? Because it represents occupation. It represents longevity. It means I'm not just passing by. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm not just here today and gone tomorrow. God gave this to my daddy and God gave this to us and we are going to put tents here and we are going to raise our families here and we are going to have revival here. I 
thank God for the high ceilings. I thank God for this massive, beautiful building. I thank God this is, this is I'm, I'm going to talk about all this stuff. I thank God for all this. But I want to tell you behind all this, there is a well. There is a well. Somebody dug it out. Somebody's still digging it out. This is nothing more than drywall and stucco without a well. But when you walked in here tonight, you felt the glory and the power and the Shekinah and the presence of somebody that had dug it out. The second well that Isaac named was called Sitna. And it meant hatred. And now I'm getting ready to preach. Brother and Sister Williams, when you took this work three years ago, you had to pick up the same heartbeat of the Abraham, which was Nathaniel Urshan. For the first little while that you were here, you were redigging the wells that he dug because in the transition between Brother Urshan and this man of God, the enemy said, we're going to put carnality in. We're going to put contention in. We're going to put strife in. We're going to put hatred in. Because sitting means hatred. And this congregation was torn between contention and hatred and not knowing what the direction was going to be and not knowing what was going to happen. But I thank God for an Isaac that took another step and dug Rehoboth, which means God has given us a place to grow. Clap your hands and give God the praise. We're in our own place. We're in our own land. We've got our own wells. It's a large place. It's it's a magnificent place. It belongs to us. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. I've got a burden for home missionaries. And I can already tell by watching him. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I, I analyze everything. The only thing I learned to quit analyzing was my wife. I'll never figure her out. But I'm going to tell you, you are not going to build a church sitting in a Starbucks talking about platitudes you are going to build a church by saying God we got a little building over here there ain't nobody here yet oh I'm preaching right now you got to get some skin in the game before God's going to do his part you got to say God this is costing me everything we got and I barely got this apartment but we got a place to have Bible studies and God moves God moves God moves You got to go down before you can go up. Clap your hands and give God the praise. And don't quit digging until you hit water. Don't quit digging until you get a Bible study. Don't quit digging until you get a convert. We've been in Spokane about three years. 
went through an entire year without being able to set up one Bible study. Couldn't get one baptism. Everybody I talked to said, no, we don't want it. Over a year. What ended that drought was the fact that when I went to prayer, I just kept digging. When it was just my wife and I and a few other folks that were coming to church, we just kept digging. I kept saying, God's going to save hundreds and thousands. In fact, I was sharing with my in-laws last night. God gave me a message just as sure as I'm standing here. And we had two people in that little building. Had a 700-square-foot office building. And we had two people. The head usher. He was the only usher, but he's the head usher. He was position-minded. was trying to keep him happy. He fell asleep. And the, the older sister got up, curtsied, and politely went to the bus stop to go to work. So it's me preaching what God gave me to preach with the head usher in the back of the church and my wife and my three-year-old son and my one-year-old daughter. Did I become discouraged? Not on your life. Did I become depressed? Not on your life. I was digging. I got a heritage in this. I don't have big names in this. It's just sink or swim, baby. It's give me the shovel. Get, get down there another shovel. Get through that rock. Get through that root. Get down to where the rotter is. Clap your hands and give him praise. If there's a revival, it's because somebody dug it out. What ended that drought is I got a call from United Pentecostal Church headquarters. Said there's a Filipino man in your city who's got a pen pal back in the Philippine Islands. And she's been giving him a Bible study on Jesus' name. And he wants a Bible study, and he wants to be baptized. I went to his house, and I gave him a Bible study in Jesus' name, and he was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and we started a multicultural revival. When you hit a rock or a boulder, you just say, I've got more power. It's going through that boulder. I'm going through that gravel. I'm going through that rut. I'm going through that asphalt. I'm going through that hard heart. I'm going through that negativity. I'm going through that backsliddenness. I will have revival. Somebody clap your hands and give God the glory. You got to make up in your mind, I'm digging a well for me. I thank God for my daddy. I thank God for my organization. But I've got to get it for me. If Isaac would not have named those holes in the ground after his father, I believe it would have severed the prophetical umbilical cord that attached Abraham to Isaac. Well, digger, because that's the only way you're going to survive out here where God called us. I hear whining and complaining, Brother Malin, you've been offering, Brother Malin, I'm so discouraged, and 
Brother Mayo this and Brother Mayo that. And I'm not trying to be mean-spirited tonight. I'm really not. But I'm just going to tell you, I, my, wife, my wife never complained. My wife never threatened to leave it. My wife never threatened to walk out. My wife said, honey, let's start praying. Let's start fasting. And that's what it's going to take. You get a man and a woman together, and they'll dig not one well. They'll dig two wells and three wells. And they're telling the devil, we are here to stay. We are here to stay. We are here to grow crops. We're here to raise families. Let's lift our hands and just love Jesus right now. God, I'm praying that you... I'm praying you encourage somebody tonight to go get that shovel. Keep that resignation. Wad it up. Throw it in the garbage. Go get that shovel. And just go back to digging. Just go back. Here I am, God. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to whine. I'm not going to worry what all my other friends are doing and feel bad when they're having a revival and I'm not. You're the one that called me here. You're the one that placed me here. You're the one that sent me out here. It's you and me, God. It's you and me and the devil. It's you and me in this environment. And it's not going to win. It's not going to drive me out. It's not going to dry me up. I will have water. Oh, come on, let's clap our hand. Come on, Isaac. Get back out into the field. Grab you a shovel and say, God, I'm going to fulfill the will of God for my life with a shovel in my hand. But the Rock Church of Fort Myers and this good pastor and his wife... They are now the Isaac of this work. The Abraham did his work. I thank God for Brother Nathan, not only because he's a personal friend of mine, but because he's a great man of God. He got us out here. He got us out here to where God could use us. But God's got Isaac on location now. And it's time to put our stakes down and say, we're going to fill this one. We'll just keep filling them because we're just going to keep digging. We're going to fill the next one because we're just going to keep digging. I'm not looking to retire. I'm not looking to get a boat. I'm not looking for a vacation. I'm looking to dig. Come on, someone's getting an understanding right now. Let's lift their hands and give God the praise. Brother Mayo, I don't know how to get to the next level. Go get your shovel. That's the only way out is dig another Dig another well, another ditch. Dig it, dig it, dig it. The wells that we dug in Spokane that got us into the facility, it's in our fourth building right now. When everybody's there, all the dogs, parakeets, and fishes in their pockets, we're running somewhere between 350 plus. And I'm already looking at building number five. But Brother Williams, the exact same price tag to get that building I was telling you about is the same price tag. There's a lot of people that want to be removed from that. There's a lot of people who just want to start traveling and don't even want to pass for anymore. No, 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 no. God called me out of darkness with one purpose. I will die with a shovel. I will be in the army with a shovel. I will walk in cadence with a shovel. I will die with a shovel. I will live with a shovel. I will pray with a shovel.
fact, we've got my administrative assistant, his lovely wife and daughters here at your anniversary service tonight. Brother Chris Earl standing right there. Tremendous man right there. You, want, you know what he's doing in this church? We're just digging a well. You know what all of you are doing here? Somebody's digging a well. You know how that balcony is going to get full? Somebody's going to keep digging. Someone's just going to keep digging. It may not feel right, but I feel like digging. It may not look good, but I'm just going to dig. I don't want nothing handed to me. I don't want no entitlement. I don't want no giveaway. I want to dig it. Well, I got to stay in good health. Because my next building looks like this. My next building looks like this. But I'm never going to get there if I become part of the worldwide council of churches and accept a position over my role to dig. The minute that happens, and usually it's a financial perimeter. As soon as a man is comfortable financially, the digging stops. The well stops. The herds quit growing. Everything quits growing. Maybe I can get a few from my neighbor's flock. Maybe I can get a few. No, I'm not in this. I want the drug addicts. I want the homosexuals. I want the bruised and the battered. I want the lost. I want to see God do the miraculous. And it only comes with digging. Oh, somebody shout. Woo. Here about here about eight or nine years ago, we were in our third building. And I was getting ready to go to church on a Wednesday night. And uh, one of the ushers called me up. They said, Pastor, are you going to hurry up and get here? I said, man, I'm just getting out of the shower. Give me a couple minutes. I said, I'll get there as quick as I can. And uh, about 10 minutes later, he called me back. He said, Pastor, are you on your way yet? I said, man, I'll be there as quick as I can. He said, the guy standing in front of me is a little different. He's a little weird. I said, that's all right. I was a little different, a little weird before I got saved. When I walked in the vestibule of that church, this man walked up to me and shook my hand, gave me his name. He said, I'm dying of AIDS. I am the drag queen of Seattle. He was a transvestite. Never seen the man in my life. He was, a, he was the, the drag queen of Seattle two years in a row. But bless your heart, because somebody believed in digging before that night was through. He was baptized in the name of Jesus and spoke in other tongues because of a well. You keep this well alive, you'll empty this city. You keep this well dug, you'll empty the next city. You keep this well dug, you'll keep emptying the parched, empty world that God has called you to reach.
thank God for this music. But this music is a sideline deal. As long as you, I want to tell you what, I'm getting ready now to talk about a wall. Because little ancient civilizations of archaic times that, that they have dug through the archaeological remains of those cities found out that when there was a well in that, in that dry, dusty plain that somebody said, you know what? To protect us from an enemy that might be stronger than us, we're going to have to build a wall. I've come to preach to the rock church that it's time to quit crying. It's time to start building. <laughs> Clap your hands and give it up. I don't need a new gospel. I'm not looking for somebody with a position. I'm looking for somebody with a shovel. When you have a well with no walls, there is no authority, no rule and no dominion. When you have walls and no well, it becomes a legislation, ultra-conservative prison. Honey, I don't want either one of those, but I've gotta have a well, and I gotta have a wall. It's time for the people to get a mind to work and say wherever the pastor goes, that's where I go. If he prays, I pray. If he fasts, I fast. It's time to build. You guys keep this up. You're going to end up killing me. I just turned 62, not 45. At some point, to protect your family and that small group that daily goes to that well and becomes replenished and rejuvenated and regenerated, the leader, the man of God, says, you know what, because of the Hittites, and the Amorites and the people in whose land we dwell. It's time for every man to get a backbone, put your shovel up, and let's build a wall. That represents the doctrine. The doctrine is not designed. The, the doc, that wall is not designed to keep God in. God's coming through the well. It's designed to keep the world out and the enemy out from polluting our well. can ever get inside your wall the first thing he's going to do is pollute and defile that well somewhere you got to say you know what this wall is not coming down this wall is going higher 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 must be a theological and spiritual balance between the well and the wall. Most men that are afraid of what other men are going to think focus on the wall. I'd rather have God in the middle than get God's approval. You tell me when I need a wall. You tell me we need, I need to stop this. You tell me when I need to quit digging. 
about men that are greatly enabled, incredibly anointed and capable, but they won't do anything until they have the approval of their fellowship group. My God, when I went to Spokane, I didn't have no fellowship group. I didn't have nobody looking over my shoulder, and I'm thanking God for it. God trusted me because of the submission to my pastor. I wasn't going to name it another name. I wasn't going to go another route. It was going to be dug deep. It was going to be dug clean, and the wall would be high. And now, the same prophetical promise that God put on my pastor in Sacramento is unfolding in Spokane, Washington. Clap your hands and give God the praise. We gotta have a wall. We gotta have a wall. We gotta have the fortifications. We gotta have the strength. We've gotta have the impermeable, impenetrable power of our doctrine. Whereas the well represents connection, the walls represent protection. To have a well and to get sloppy and cozy with the Trinitarians means that your well will become defiled and called by another name. If, if my in-laws can't come into my church and say it doesn't, it doesn't look like it did 40 years ago, I need to go back and, and I need to get that shovel and I need to say, you know what, we're putting every program on hold. We're putting all this stuff on hold. We got to get this thing back. We got to get it back. Timothy, I'm persuaded that the same faith is in you that was in your grandmother and your mother. There's some people on the sound of my voice. God can deliver you tonight. If in your heart you will determine, I'm going to start digging. I am not accepting the lies in my mind. I am not accepting the lies of carnality. I'm not accepting the past. I'm not accepting the condemnation. I am not accepting the shame. I am going to embrace the present. And I'm going to start digging for the future. Digging for the future. Come on, lift your hands. God's in this place. God's here. God's here. God's here. God's here. God's here. Somebody pray. If the pastor calls a three-day fast, let's build the wall. If the pastor calls a special prayer meeting, let's build the wall. If the man of God calls a new revival, let's build the wall. This is not just some theological fairy tale. 
but rather this is the archaeological development of how civilizations began and sprang up in the promised land. I don't believe the nation of Israel saw a wall. They saw architectural formations like the great sphinx and the great pyramid. And the only things they saw that resembled a wall were barriers to keep the overflow of the Nile coming in on society. They never saw a wall until they saw Jericho. And they said, what's that? What are we going to do with that? And they and God is saying, follow the the man of God. God made sure you're going to come in contact with high walls. Because all the cities that you guys are going to take are going to have walls. But you have a methodology that is from another world. You have weaponry that is from God himself. You have, you have a means of apparatus. I'm not talking about military memorabilia. I'm talking about supernatural power like a sling and a pebble. That is able to bring down a giant and able to bring down a walled city. And now their wells belong to us. Clap your hands and give God the praise. We now have the well of what this church used to believe but we have redug it and renamed it come on let's praise him right now 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 there's a prophetical word in this house There's a prophetical word in this house. And see, I'm about to get on prophecy right here. Because this man of God's got it in him. This man of God's got it in him. This man of God has got it in him. Start digging. Your revival's coming. Go home and go back. Dig. Well, I can't. Man. I got suits and shoes, and I got, I'm living in a big house now. Honey, that's the whole challenge. You, you, more was less when you had less, but now less is more because you need that again. You need, might need to say goodbye to some things. Goodbye to, the, goodbye to your golf game, and goodbye to your fishing hole, and goodbye to all your Carnell friends, and say, I'm going back to digging. I'm going back to the beginning. I'm going back to what happened when Abraham had this, when Abraham had it. With every well, with every well, with every wall, there will be a watchman. The watchman on the wall has an elevated position. Well, I just don't look at it. Like the pastor does. You don't have an elevated position. I just don't see what he's saying. You don't have an elevated position. 
according to the word of God in the book of Ezekiel chapter number three, the very first, the very first job description of the watchman is to bring conviction from this elevated position against sin. Because whereas they wouldn't listen to another brother and they wouldn't listen to their wives and they wouldn't listen to somebody else, God's last attempt to save you is the watchman on the wall. And I'm going to tell you what, there's some people in this church, you need to accept this man and embrace him as your pastor because you are running out of time. You are running out of time. Some men's sins go before under judgment and some men's sins go after. When a man of God begins to preach to us, that's God saying, I love you. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to help you. The second dimension of the watchman is a protector in being able to see what's coming towards the city and to see what's going on in the city. I don't understand why the pastor preached that. He has an elevated position. I don't understand why the pastor did that to that family. Doesn't he know that they're my friend? He has an elevated position. If I told the church I pastor everything I know, I, they, would, they couldn't handle it. They don't have the wells. They don't have the walls. They don't have the wisdom. They don't have the God-given enablement to be able to handle some things and still love people. lift our hands. I'm almost done. I have a destination in view. We could have had a runaway, but there's something that the Holy Ghost wants to do here tonight. My God, I can feel it. I feel the ancient of days. I feel the Melchizedek, the ancient of days. Don't write this off, mom and dad, because it don't sound like what you were raised with. He still has called them. The wells are named right. The water is pure like in previous generations. His motive is pure. His spirit is pure. The water is pure. The last purpose. The last purpose of the watchman was the ability to foretell not just present conditions but future conditions. We know that's true because of what the book of Isaiah says. I have set a watchman upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold his peace day nor night. Many, many biblical expositors understand that even at the time of Jesus, that the evening hours from 6 a.m., from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. were broken down into four separate watches. You remember Jesus that would have passed them by walking on the sea on the fourth watch. This is something that was commonly understood in archaic times. But did you also know that the watchmen never came down from the wall? They, 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 they traded places like a guard did. When that watchman came down for the night, there was another watchman that got up. They never quit saying that it, what, 
the will of God was. Listen to what this scripture says. Watchmen, what of the night? Watchmen, what of the night? The morning come and also the night. The watchman is also and lastly a prophetical indicator. Jesus said the night time cometh when no man can work. But hear this preacher tonight that it was in the book of Genesis chapter number 1 that God created the heavens and the earth and the spirit of God moved on the face of the deep and God divided the light from the dark before he ever named it night. God in this hour is working in the dark and the man of God on the wall is seeing God work over here and work over there. He's working in this situation, working in that situation. God moves in the dark. Let's lift our hands one last time and give God the praise. The prophetical utterance. The prophetical utterance. Only, only the watchman can see the day break. Only the watchman can see the sun down, go down. Only the watchman knows when it's the breaking of the day. Only the watchman knows he is the prophetical indicator of the church. Let's pray, Rock Church. Let's pray. You got it all. Just keep digging. Just keep building. Just keep giving heed to your watchmen. And the wells will multiply. And the wells will go from generation to generation like they did in John 4 with the woman at the well of Samaria. It was Jacob's well given at Sychar. It had existed for generations. I'm asking brother and sister Williams to come and stand right here tonight. We are going to pray for them. We're going to pray a special prayer tonight. I'm asking for all the ministers that are in attendance, if you would begin to form a circle around them. And then the church board of this good congregation, some of the men of wise counsel, if you'd get around them. You know, I think it'd right, be right to have Isaac and Judah down here too. Where, where are you boys at? I need you down here. Standing with your mom and dad in Jesus' name. I want to tell you something. You know, it's better if you hear, if you hear some of these things from visiting ministers because a pastor that does too much of this, some people can't, can't make the journey. Your pastor was one of the most spiritually in-tune evangelists we had ever had in over 20 years. And I, I want to tell you, I, I don't even want to start rattling names off, but if I started telling you the names of known prophets among us, we had them all come through, corners, through Spokane for no other reason than to challenge the spirits that were there. When this man arrived... 
He was tapped in. I want to see God not only preserve that, but I want to see God increase that in the name of Jesus. Men of God, I'm asking you to gather around this precious family, if you would, and then the church of the living God. You can just draw as close as you'd like to. We're going to pray. I want you to lift your voice like a trumpet right now by the authority of the name of Jesus. God, I know you've greatly blessed us. I enjoy his singing. I, I enjoy his musical ability. But, oh, friend of mine, there is something so far beyond that that God has always seen and God has always cultivated and God has always nurtured and God has brought it to this place in this hour. God, I pray you build a hedge of protection, build a shield around his boys. God, I will pray for his boys. I will fast for his family. Devil, you can't get to him through his children. You can't get to him through his family. I'm praying for something powerful. I'm praying for something from the ancient of days. Something of the oracle of God. I see this entire area beginning to rotate around the circumference of where this church is digging and where this church is going. Yes! It's not just a church that God is raising. It's an entire environment. It's an environment where you can grow. It's an environment where you can be delivered. It's a environment where you can be healed. It's an environment where generations upon generations until all the families of the earth will be blessed. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Sacrificial prayer. Sacrificial praise. Sacrificial. My God, Pastor, you were there for me. I'm going to be there for you.